As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Let's say all roads lead back to that particular property and its current situation relative to the competition in the market. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily Real Estate Investing Podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Theo Hicks, and if you're watching on video, you can see Jack the Yorkie is with us today too in a more active way on my lap. So, Jack, how you doing? Theo, how you doing? 
I'm doing well, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing well, too. Welcome back. Theo is in Florida, Disney yeah, World. No, Disney World. He is back, and we got a lot of good things to talk about. In particular, we're going to talk about ways to add value and increase profitability of small multis, and it came from a Best Ever Listener question. So we'll talk about that. Theo, how do you want to kick it off? I do want to start by giving some updates on going on in your business, the good, the bad. Sure. Let's see. Really, nothing groundbreaking from last time we talked on the show. Just you're continuing to finalize the due diligence on the property we're purchasing in Dallas. We're closing the week of September the 10th. Okay. And fortunately, we have a really good team within Ashcroft because I'm actually going on my honeymoon September 1st through the 11th or 12th maybe. So Frank, my business partner, and you and others have got things covered. Um, That's really it. No major news. I mentioned last week I finished Ninja Selling. I am now reading commercial real estate mortgages. The author is a previous guest, and I can't recall his name right now, so maybe next week. I will, if you remind me, I'll bring the book and I'll give my two cents on it so far. I'm about 30% of the way through. Other than that, that's it. What do you got going on? Well, I was going to ask, if you, um, kind of what you're talking about when you're going on your honeymoon, if you didn't have a team, you probably would have to skip your honeymoon and end up closing out this deal or kind of passing the deal. You're going to kind of, you don't need to be involved, but technically in the closing, right? I don't need to be physically present okay. for the closing. In fact, I don't think we've ever been physically present for any closing. We do it remotely. Mm. Yeah, I am involved in the closing, looking at the closing statements and things like that. But Frank, my business partner, is also the primary point person on that particular area yeah. of the business. So he's got it covered for me while I'm doing the honeymoon. I was doing lunch with an investor the other day, and he was saying that he's kind of traveling around right now, and he did a closing remotely, and he had to go into like a UPS, and he had like a stack of 100 documents, he had to sign, and then scan them all in, and they took forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so is, is, I'm going to do the same thing, scan all the documents, because I don't think they have an online signing service that I know of. Yeah, a lot of times they'll overnight you documents, yep. and you have to sign it and get it taken care of. Yep. Cool. So on my end, let's see what it is I have. So I've got all my rents. You got all the rents. All the rents. It's funny. I'm sitting in the airport on the fifth, and for some reason, some of the leases, the rents aren't due until the fifth of the month. And so it says they have until the fifth. It's obviously they go with the latter date and not the earlier date. I'm sitting in the airport, getting ready to leave, and one of the residents calls and says, "Did you take my rent yet?" And it's like, "Take your rent." It's like, "I sent you my debit card number." to take my rent. And I was like, oh, I think she just must have gotten confused based off of the online service they're supposed to use. But no, she ended up sending me a check because so I picked it up yesterday. How did she send you the debit card information? In an email. Oh. I don't know if it was a miscommunication in my end, but I remember when she sent it, it was like, I said, why are you sending me your debit card information? You mean to buy something? Right. So there's that. And then I guess something else interesting that happened, I was talking about how, this is actually the same person. She's like the only person I've talked to. She used to call me probably different things that are happening, but yeah, some drywall fell from the garage under a car, and they put a dent in there, and I took some pictures, and I, I didn't know how to address it. I didn't know how much it would cost. Based on the way that she was asking me questions about it, based on the way that she explained the issue to me, it seemed like she just wanted money. Like She didn't want to actually fix the car herself. And so what I did is I went around and got a bunch of quotes, 
And then I kind of took the average of the quotes based on the images I sent. So obviously it wasn't 100% correct because mm-hmm. if they went in there and saw that it was a little different, it would have been a different cost. And then I reached out and said, hey, you know, here's a couple of options we can do. You can either take it in yourself and get it fixed and then I'll reimburse you. Or I got a couple of quotes, here are the quotes, and I can just write you a check for the damages. And she went for that option instead. So I'm pretty sure I saved money doing it that way. How much did it... A plus. $195. $195. And is she signing something? I have not got it signed, no. I won't come back for future damages on this? So no, right? No, the only thing that I have is an, an email trail. Okay. And the email... Have you paid her? Yeah. Okay. Did she sign something that said she received it? Was it a check? I wrote a check and I put it in her mailbox. Okay. Probably That's fine. Right. Yeah. But if it's not fine, then I'll know. That's it. I'll definitely have something signed for next time. I remember we even talked about that in one of the episodes, and when I dropped the check, I didn't even think about it. But I got an email trail, and I guess I'm just set to putting a lot of trust into the president for not, oh, Theo, I went and get it repaired, and it ended up costing. Five thousand dollars. I want more money, or I'm not paying rent ever again, or anything like that. So I'm sure it'll work out. Exactly. We have faith in people. And then I think besides that, I had a really good conversation with with Linda Libertori of Secure Pay One because she was listening to one of our shows where I was talking about how I was taking over the property and what I was doing to get the rent sent to me and things like that. And our conversation on YouTube is entitled "How to Take Over a Property with Tenants." with property management expert Linda Libertori. It's about a 40-minute conversation where we literally went step-by-step exactly what you want to do from prior to closing to maybe a month after having the property. And so the whole entire process of taking over, she's been doing this for a long time, and she's constantly she's a lot of interesting stories and interesting case studies of how things went wrong. And then most of the conversation was kind of me explaining what I was going through, what I did, and what I did incorrectly. I think one of the most interesting piece of advice that I'm going to apply moving forward that I didn't even really think about is to, on like a six-month, like a yearly basis, have like an application for each individual unit to fill out. Mm-hmm. And you do that to make sure that the, the people that are on the lease that are living there are actually living there and that no one else is living there. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of do a little walkthrough with them. So you go to the unit and you walk through with them to kind of check up and see if there's any type of issues that they were talking about. And then something else did it too that was really cool because I had no idea what to do about taking over a property that's not necessarily like extremely distressed. Like you don't need to do any mm-hmm. repairs for it to be you know, habitable or livable or anything like that. But it's also not A property or, or a B plus property. It's kind of outdated. It's 1950s technicolor tiles and everything. And so I didn't really know what to do about addressing any kind of maintenance issues. And what she said is you go to each unit and say, what's one thing you want done? to your unit and that way you're not bombarded with a whole list of different repairs to do Mm -hmm. but at the same time you're doing something right away that's like adding value to them so you're kind of getting started off on the right foot and it also will help if you want to increase the rents kind of what we were talking about like you wouldn't want to just go in there and increase the rents and not add any value because it's not starting on the right foot if you go in there and the first thing you do is improve something that was kind of knowing them whether it's something small like a cracked window or there's a hole in the wall, or a burner on the stove is out, and then you, you address that one issue, it's not really, kind of what we talked about before, the unexpected, because they're expecting it, so it's not like the ideal way, because I guess it'd be better if you unexpectedly fix something, but you wouldn't really know what it was to fix. 
So I plan on doing that this month when I go in there to meet everyone and sign new leases. And there was one thing that we want addressed. When you ask them that one thing and they tell you and then you fix it, a suggestion would be to fix it and then say, and you know what, I noticed that XYZ needed some attention, so we went ahead and fixed that too for you. There you go. And then you can pick what that other XYZ thing is. could be super simple. I think the only drawback to that strategy, and I'll talk about it when I actually do it, my fear is that they're going to want something like big that costs like thousands of dollars to do. Like, oh, can you replace all my appliances in the kitchen? So I need to word it so that it's like, I'm not saying, like, you can't respond by saying, I'll repair my entire unit or update my entire unit. Well, it's, it's, a different, it's a repair. Yeah. Anything that needs one thing that needs repaired or addressed. So I need to make sure that I word it correctly, but regardless of how you word it, it's going to be misinterpreted. I know. It, it doesn't really matter how you word it. You, you just know what, what the line is and you just have to have a conversation with those people yeah. who ask for granite countertops and stainless steel appliances. Exactly. Those are the updates on my... Congratulations on getting all the rent for it because I know last week you had what percent? I think I had 7 or 8 out of 12. 7 or 8 out of 12. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. That's great to hear. And luckily most of it was like a mix-up or communication issue. It wasn't like... I just didn't hear from them. Mm-hmm. It was they were confused on how to submit the rent online, and they didn't like the fee, and they wanted to mail it, and they didn't know what to check out too. So it was kind of just confusing. So next month, I expect everything to be smooth, and if not, then we'll talk about it on here as a mistake. Cool, sounds good. So, so I got a question from a listener. His name is Devin, and he asked, "What is your experience with charging multifamily residents for assigned parking spaces?" It looked as if he had a medium to large sized apartment complex and he actually had a picture in this question and it was just new newly paved parking lot with just parking spots and he wanted to know and it was your experience with just charging for parking and i guess add an additional layer to the question maybe you can talk about what are the different parking options that you can do and what are the benefits of doing a carport versus just a regular spot versus constructing a whole brand new parking garage mm-hmm. based on your experience well i'd say All roads lead back to that particular property and its current situation relative to the competition in the market. Because if you are charging for parking, then there needs to be demand, right? Supply demand. There needs to be demand for it. And you also need to be within the market parameters or you need to be competitive with the rest of the market. Okay. Therefore, the first thing I would look at is the current parking situation at the property. I love using extreme examples to make the point. If you have 100 units and you have 400 parking spots, then you're probably going to be hard-pressed to charge residents for it. So you need to look at what type of demand and how special is it to be able to have your own parking spot. Now let's assume that it's a typical apartment community where you have two spaces for every one unit because that's typically the ratio, at least that I've come across. Now a new development, they're looking to decrease that because it's just not needed. People don't drive as much if they're in New York City or if they are in a new development that's most likely close to a bunch of retail and bars and things like that. But let's just assume 
Typical scenario for every unit, you have two parking spots. Well, if that's the case, then some things I would look at doing is, one, a resident recognition program for longstanding residents. Because what your question, Devin, is ultimately getting at is, can I make more money at the property through the parking situation in some way? So instead of looking at it, can I charge for parking spots? Look at what is your number one expense at the property, and it might be tenant turnover. So if you can increase resident retention Mm. by giving residents a prime parking spot and that is very convenient for them, they get their groceries and they can just scoot right into their apartment versus having to go around all these cars and over the curb and stuff. If that increases resident retention, then you now no longer have move-out costs, advertising marketing costs to get the new resident in there, tenant turnover costs. So it's likely that the $3,000 that it would cost to turn over the unit all in is a greater amount of money than charging $25 for your parking spot in the prime location. So look at it in multiple angles, not just can I charge for the spot. Look at it from a resident retention standpoint and see if that would actually make more sense and that can increase resident retention. But to directly answer your question about my experience charging multifamily residents, well, we do the approach I just mentioned. We built carports and we are building carports. The advantage to building carports versus just charging for a prime spot in front of someone's building is, well, it increases the value of that parking spot, assuming that the area is hit with either really bright hot sun, which Texas is, a lot of hot sun, wind in the north, snow in Texas, hail. So you got a lot of reasons why you want a carport in certain cities. And we charge $35, depending on the property, mm-hmm. to do that. And we make 20 25% return on those. So it tends to be a good investment. To give you an example of how many we build on a property, we're planning on building 50 on a 250-unit property, roughly. So that gives you an idea of how many we build. Five units. Yes, one, exactly, one for every five units. So we're not building for every parking spot. We're building selectively in, in certain areas where it makes sense. You made a really good point. I never even thought about that before. But when you're kind of addressing this specific question of should you charge for a parking or kind of working to do next, which is about ways to do to increase your profits, you know, making sure that if you're doing something, you may be adding more money on one hand. Are you charging for that might affect your tenant retention, or someone might not want to live there because, oh, I can get free parking over here, what would I pay for parking here? You're kind of just thinking about, okay, if I'm going to do something here, will that potentially affect something else? And if you're just kind of thinking about that before you kind of make that decision, is a really good point. Yeah, it's what I try to do with most things. If it's, how can we make money on this? Well, is there a larger item that we can address to ultimately solve what we're really trying to solve for, which... In this case, Devin's talking about just having a better NOI at the property. And one of the things that I always keep in mind, and this is relevant but not directly related, 
is our number one expense would be taxes. As entrepreneurs and real estate investors, number one expense taxes. And so often we do all the work on the income of the property, the expenses of the property, but then from our overall tax standpoint, we don't have the right CPAs and tax analysts to identify how can we mitigate our number one largest expense taxes. Yeah. So. These are things in perspective about taxes. I was looking at, I was looking at my cash flow calculator the other day to update some things because some of our expenses were lower than what I assumed them would be. And just the property taxes alone are 25% of our rents that we come in. <laughs> this is a property tax. That's not like the potential tax that you pay on the income at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a way that you could address that, but I think there's a couple things you can do, but not really. You guys gotta kind of bite the bullet on that. Cost segregation, for sure. Yeah. I might have, that's so high. It seems like so high. I guess so I'm Well, and you can it. protest too. Cost segregation will just lower your tax basis in yeah. general for what you pay or what you realize, but then the actual assessment itself, you could protest depending on where you're at. And we actually did an episode with someone who talked about the appeal process and how to protest. Yeah, I remember, I remember listening to that one. So the main topic is kind of similar to Devin's question about charging for multifamily, but um, when I read that question, I was kind of thinking of different ways to essentially increase your profit. So either decrease expenses or increase your revenue. And we were kind of talking beforehand, and now I'm thinking about even more. Now, again, you have to think about all these things I'm going to list here. Is this going to have an effect on something else? And we were kind of talking about in regards to time. So, for example, one of the things that I calculated, what we're doing is ways to increase profits on small multifamily properties. Got it. You know, the main thing that I saw on my first property that I bought that was a huge expense was landscaping. So I literally had, people can't see the room, but I had like a strip of grass that was like the size of this room. And the guy was charging me every week, and it was $15 a week for that one. And I'm not sure exactly what that would be out to, but that's $15 times 52 weeks. And I had a payment at the end of the year. So oh. during the year, it seemed like, oh, I'm making all this money. And then at the end of the year, I got this bill for a couple thousand dollars. And for that property in particular, if I would mow the, the lawn myself, it would probably take me 15 minutes to do so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to mow the lawns for my next properties until it becomes so overwhelming or unmanageable or my time would be worth more spent somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so right now it takes me an hour to mow the three lawns, and we just did a quick calculation beforehand, and that saves me $2,000 a year. And so that's a profit increase of two grand, which if you, for these properties in particular, the bank that I use, they actually use, they use a sales comparison approach. They use the, the income are. approach. So that'd be, you know, $2,000 divided by whatever the cap rate happened to be for an increase in the property values. That's usually factored in, in appraisals, how they usually factor in those yeah. costs. So it wouldn't, I don't know if it would necessarily increase the value of the property because when the appraisal takes place, they factor it as though how it would be run professionally. Okay. So they don't look at my actual expenses. They'd be like, okay, well, Theo's managing it himself, and Theo's doing the maintenance himself, but we're going to underwrite it as if someone else is doing the maintenance and someone else is doing the I, property I, management? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Well, it does not add a value to the property, but I guess it adds $2,000 a year to, your bottom to my, my bottom line. In exchange for your time? In exchange for 26 hours of time for two grand. So, yeah. So, what is that an hour? I think it's a little bit under $100 an hour. Let's do the actual calculator. Okay. $80 an hour. Are you good with that? I'm good at that. I can't remember if it was your podcast or if it was a blog that I read, but they were talking about you know the ten dollar an hour, a hundred dollar an hour, and a thousand an hour jobs. And as you progress through your business, 
like you start in your time in the beginning is that worth anything? So it's worth like ten dollars an hour. It was like what you would pay to do what you were doing, or something along those lines. And then as you progress, then your time's worth a hundred dollars an hour. And so all those ten dollars an hour tasks you were doing, you contract all those out because you're losing nine dollars per every hour spent on those ten dollars an hour tasks. And then once you become where you're at right now, and your time is worth like a thousand dollars an hour, then even though it's you the contract out those hundred dollar an hour jobs now because then you're losing nine hundred dollars per hour spent. So right now I think I'm at that ten dollar an hour job, and so me doing this eighty dollar an hour job, I'm saving seventy dollars. At least that's kind of how I'm calculating again as time goes on. If it doesn't, so you're at ten dollars an hour right now for my properties. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's much of my properties. All right. One thing, and so along the same lines of brainstorming ways to decrease expenses, something else that happened a lot at the last property is like really small, like maintenance issues that happened, like the dishwasher would stop working, or last night I got a text and the guy's lock wasn't working. It ended up being completely fine. I assume that he just like put it in there and to see how it didn't work and they just text me right away, but it ended up working anyways. Did you have to go over there? I did not know. But if I would have sent someone over there, it would have been 100 bucks, 200 bucks for a 10 minute ordeal and so I was talking to Marcel about this and for small maintenance issues that will take like 15-20 minutes to address instead of paying our contractor who have already had him go over and do a couple things it's like 100 bucks 200 bucks here and there mm-hmm. and based off our maintenance budget we got 600 bucks a month per property allocated to maintenance and so I'm going to go over there and address these smaller maintenance issues for a year and then kind of calculate and see how much time I spent there versus how much money I have to be saved Got to calculate that dollar per hour, and it's more than ten dollars an hour. Then mm-hmm. aren't going to be saving money. So that's something else that I thought about. Uh, a key point on that. I remember I was having some conversation with people at, at, the, at the first conference about this, and kind of the other miscellaneous sisters that I met. And they'll just used YouTube tutorials for kind of everything. Like there's a little uh, YouTube oh. tutorials. Like there's little YouTube videos for fixing anything. And so they'll go in there and just pop. This watch is not working. Like how to fix dishwasher doesn't drain and they'll watch like a two minute video on how to do that and then they'll do it themselves and so kind of leveraging technology and leveraging youtube to increase your profits i thought was interesting approach was kind of what led me to do this mm-hmm. something else this kind of again goes back to will this decrease tenant retention but coin operated laundry versus just buying a washer and dryer and putting it in there i calculated the roi of buying a washer and dryer versus just doing the coin operated and Fortunately for me, these previous owners actually own these washer and dryers, the coin operated, so it's 100%. But I know there's some services that charge 50%, so they'll take half of the money that goes in there. So that's another way. Well, another angle with that is to buy the washer and dryer and then rent it to the resident at a more competitive rate than what they could get at Rent-A-Center. And just keep doing that, and then eventually you'll have it paid for by them. Mm-hmm. And then future tenants or future years, it will just be infinite cash flow. That's a really good idea. Yeah, buy washer dryers and rent to them. I think something else you could do too is just obviously buy the coin operated washer dryer and do something similar. Or you calculate how much you would charge for the laundry dryer based off like rent a center or based off how much money it would be to do one load of laundry per week at a laundromat. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something else. I ran into a guy at my gym and he was talking about this, but apparently there's services out there for duplexes or fourplexes or these smaller multi-units where the water is not broken up per unit. I think he said it costs $75 a month to do, and they do something where they essentially meter the water off to the individual units and then charge the actual residents for the water. And so you charge for water every three months, and so it's $75 times three is $225. And I think 
our water bills were between four and six hundred dollars. So that's the cost savings right there. And I guess there's one less thing you have to worry about paying off too. And that will increase the value of your property. We do that on all of our properties. Okay. So a rev program, ratio utility bill back system. There are companies out there that facilitate that for you. And the thing to keep in mind is that's an expense that the resident didn't already have. Therefore, it's basically a rent increase of X amount of dollars. So you want to make sure that what's the competition doing? Are they doing it? If not, then are you competitive enough to be able to pull it off and have that increase amount of money that the resident is paying out of pocket on a monthly basis? And then the last one I have specifically for smaller properties is property management. So it's important, at least from my perspective, to figure out how much time I'm spending doing the property management duties per month based on how much money I would be spending on a property manager to make sure that it's worth my time. One other small caveat as to why I think that I'm going to continue to do property management is I'm starting to toy with the idea of actually doing a property management company. So kind of having my own property management company run my properties and maybe in the future bringing on other people's properties. But that's something that's kind of just thought and floated in my head based on some conversation I've had with a couple of investors. And so that's for smaller properties. If you're interested in a list of ways to increase your profits on larger properties, we've got a, a document with over... 25 multifamily value-add opportunities for you know, simple upgrades up to these more expensive advanced upgrades like building a carport or adding in a daycare center. And so if you want to have that document, uh, you can send an email to info at Joe Fairless and just put multifamily value-add opportunities in the subject line and we will send that over to you. This document, after we went through it and created it, I think it's big, medium, and small multifamily properties because you've got upgrade the light fixtures you can do that anywhere but then you have larger stuff like renting out the clubhouse mm -hmm. pet fees that's any property assigned parking we talked about that upgrade packages for appliances and some other things that is rarely discussed but it's truly great way to add value two ways actually come to mind one is adding a room maybe you got a big old one bedroom, but if you can add a wall and make it a two bedroom, what's that look like? And I forget what the second thing was. It's in this document. You can just get the document and then be able to see all 25. So info at joefrailis.com and we'll get you that value add multifamily document. Okay, a couple of other miscellaneous items. So we've got a new Facebook community called the Best Ever Show community. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, real quick. Finally, after three years of doing this show, we have created a Facebook community for you and the rest of the Best Ever listeners. So you can go to Facebook search Best Ever Show Community. Best Ever Show Community. And the reason why you'll find value there is because we talk about the episodes that launch a lot of times with the guest who was interviewed on the episode so you can engage with him or her. Additionally, any real estate-related questions or topics or even entertaining articles that are related to real estate, like the world's most expensive house recently being for sale and what that would cost to rent out and still cash flow. We talked about that. So go to the Best Ever Show community on Facebook and join the conversation there, too. Other, other item, 2018 
Best ever conference? Yeah, real quick. The conference website will be up today, if not tomorrow. BestEverConference.com. The reason why you want to go there now is because we've got early bird tickets. And the early bird tickets will allow you to save $100 on the ticket. And it's for the two-day event, February 9th and 10th in Denver, Colorado. You'll love it. I'm confident of that. And you can go watch the recap video of last year. The high caliber of attendees who were at the last event and the experience and the level of conversation was what everyone was talking about and how it was the most highest quality of attendees and conversation out of any conference people have attended. And that's a testament to you, best ever listeners, and how freaking intelligent you are and looking forward to meeting you at the conference if we didn't meet already at the last year's conference. Awesome. And to wrap it up, we're going to do the, the review of the week. So if you enjoyed the conversations and are finding value in these conversations, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review for the opportunity to be the review of the week. This week is from Breathe to Prosper, all the way from Portugal, international. And he just said, the best real estate investing advice ever is a great podcast. Joe is a great guy and provides lots of values to listeners. Definitely recommend this podcast. Wait, and you said he, but we don't know if it's he or she. You're right. He slash she (laughs) from Portugal. (laughs) Thank you. Breathe to prosper. Appreciate that feedback and looking forward to reading more on future episodes. So thanks for spending some time with us. Best ever listeners. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30 minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.